Coming to you from Jonesboro, Tennessee, at the International Storytelling Center, we'd like to welcome you to Storytown Radio, Jonesboro's original storytelling radio show. Thank you, everyone. I'm Leon Overby, your host, and with me is my co-host, Lori Olmstead. Thanks, Leon. It's an exciting night. This month, we've teamed up with the Humane Society and pulled together all kinds of stories about the animals we live with. We thought it would be a great way to help them celebrate their new home in Johnson City. I've heard about the good work of the Humane Society for years, but there are a lot of people who get them confused with the animal shelter. They're two different organizations. Right. And we went out this month and got all kinds of stories from people from the Humane Society, as well as volunteers with their fostering and adoption programs to help tell their story. We spend an hour each month telling stories about the different people in our community as a way to know more about our neighbors and grow stronger bonds with each other and help each other by knowing each other's stories. We'd like to thank the Tennessee Arts Commission for their generous support of our program. We'd also like to thank those wild women of Jonesboro. And we certainly appreciate their supporting the important stories of Northeast Tennessee. We'd like to thank Nancy Hope and Odie Major for sponsoring the program. And finally, we'd like to thank Main Street Cafe and Catering for sponsoring us this season. We'd also like to thank the makers of Parsley. Yes, parsley, that smooth, easy-going flavor that enhances every meal. Sprinkle it on or garnish a dish. It just tastes better with parsley. parsley. Tonight is all about the animals in our lives. But first, it would be great to hear about the Humane Society and what they do for these animals. We asked them to share some of their favorite work with us, and we're astounded by all the things the Humane Society does around here. We've got a little segment we're doing about that, uh, which we're going to call What We Can Do With a Home. It's important for an organization to have a place to call home. Since we moved in, we've been able to increase our efforts and have added new programs, such as fostering cats and dogs. The foster program is a temporary arrangement where families help their foster pets become ready for a permanent adoptive home. It is important to everyone to understand that we are no kill in organization. We help all animals live a full life and one with compassion and care. We put cats and dogs from the shelter and accept surrendered cats and dogs too. The organization provides any necessary medical treatment, shots, deworming, medicine to all animals who are surrendered to us for adoption. We arrange medical care with local vets. When you adopt from the Humane Society, you're getting a pet that has been cared for with everything they need, including up-to-date shots. We find foster families, maintain communication with fosters, manage and approve adoption applications, and we run adoption events. What haunts me the most are the ones I can't save. Finances are part of it. The bigger part is the need for more foster homes. I firmly believe that if we had enough foster homes, the finances will follow. But we need someone to help take care of these animals for a short time so we can find them a forever home. There is such a need right now, and it's mostly because people do not spay or neuter. They think it's cruel. But what is more cruel is overcrowding shelters, euthanizing animals, or finding animals left and abandoned. The Humane Society's main priority is to spay and neuter. 
then we will not have overcrowding in the shelters. We have a reduced spay and neuter fee program. Anybody can apply. There's a sliding scale on the income. We rescue goats and horses and bangs and birds. And we started the barn cat program. This is a way to allow feral cats who are too wild to go into the adoption program to have a way to live out their lives. We spay or neuter the feral cats and to the farmers who want them, we release them to live on their farms. Farmers provide food and water and the cats have a chance at life. Some people think these cats will live a hard life, but I don't look at it that way because I work with these cats. I had two feral cats in my program that had been spayed and were recovering. One of them was the last remaining cat from Popeyes. The other had just had a litter of kittens. Now, we could help the kittens find adoptive homes, but Mama Cat, we called her Callie. She was too feral to be adopted. A feral cat is really afraid in a cage, but it's important for them to have immobile recovery time after surgery. After they had recovered, I took them to be released in the barn cat program. First, I opened the cage door and said, you're free. You can go, Callie. Go on, you can go. You can go. Callie looked at me, then ran to the barn. Then Popeye ran. Beside the barn, there was a hay field with the hay just waving in the wind and the wind flowing over it. She turned and looked at me and then ran to that hay, and I watched her for about eight jumps, running free and jumping over the hay. So I'm thankful to the barn owners who allow these cats to join their families as part of their rural world. Without options like that, these cats would continue to be euthanized. I know. I feel that way, too. I cry a lot with my work. Since we started our foster program one year ago, we pulled over 400 puppies and dogs from the shelter and saved them. We pulled over 400 kittens and cats from the shelter and took in surrendered litters and saved them. But there is so much more to do. If you would like to get involved with the Humane Society, there are always in need of volunteers. People who can foster animals, sort paperwork, deliver animals. They also need, are in need of supplies like dog food, cat food, dry and canned, and kitty litter. Please help them so they can help the animals in need in our community. We've been able to do so much more now that we're in our new home. And I think about that. The potential a good, nurturing, caring home has. Having a permanent home has helped us become a better organization, able to do more in our community. But what would a permanent home mean to all the animals out there? That's what we're about, creating the greatest potential for a wonderful life for all the animals we encounter. That sounds like a lot of work. One of my favorite things on that list, though, are the adoption events they hold, bringing those beautiful animals out for all of us to see. You know, I was outside earlier this evening petting some of the dogs the Humane Society had out front, and I was wondering what they might be thinking being here at the Plaza of the International Storytelling Center with all these people walking around. Well, there are worse places they could be. <laughs> they know, Leon. These animals, they've been there. And tonight, we want to tell those stories. Someone who knows these stories firsthand is the president of the Humane Society, Lucy Grandy. We talk with her about her involvement. Why do I do this? Because the cats have a story, and the dogs have a story. 
People need to know stories to help take care of these animals. The Humane Society helps the animals' stories get told. I didn't set out to become president of the Humane Society, but once I became involved in the organization, I wanted to do everything I could because I knew their stories. Now, it's not like I didn't have any animal stories of my own before becoming involved. Animals have been a big part of my life since I was a child. We always had animals. I was introduced to spay and neuter early on. We had a mama dog that had puppies. Then got her fixed, and we found home for all of the puppies. I rescued squirrels. I had ducks that lived in the house. My mom drew a line at the ducks being in the bathtub. That was just plain off limits. Daddy built a swimming pool for them, then built a fence around the duck pond. So while animals have always been part of my life, I got involved with the Humane Society by accident. I guess I should start at the beginning. I loved huskies all my life. We were in Alaska, and walking to our car, I saw this gorgeous husky tied to a car. Joe, maybe we can take the dog home. We're on a cruise ship. We can't take him home. Well, yeah, that did make sense. Time went by. Then the tornadoes hit three years ago. My husband Joe was working hard, not just with the animals, but with the people. He had a truckload of food and cat litter for the Humane Society. All these displaced animals in kennels were there. The director asked me to take a tour. That was probably a mistake. A lot of animals were not claimed. Some did not even have homes to go back to. I went and I looked in one crate. A husky puppy. Has she been claimed? She will never go back to her owners. She was covered in ticks, anemic. Her gums were white. It was a three-month-old puppy. She needs a family that will take care of her. On the way home, I brought it up. No, no, no. (laughs) She's going to be a special needs puppy. She needs us. (laughs) Well, let's do this. Ask about their adoption policy, and if they don't get any other families, we can be the final option. I called and told the lady what Joe had said. I got a call back very soon. Lucinda, we've tried, but we feel like you're the only option. Joe started reading up on huskies. We have other animals, an entire bedroom with a heated floor for our seven cats. But we knew nothing about husky puppies. Man, this isn't looking good. It says they hate cats. Uh-oh. Oh, well. We'll teach her to like cats. She needs a collar. I'll go pick up a collar and some toys. He'd already was spoiling her before we ever got her. They called her Twister. She was slobbering the whole way home, so excited, just drooling buckets. We got home, and she hides. Apparently, she's never had toys. We kept her in the laundry room. Then she ate the laundry room. (laughs) (laughs) Ate through the drywall, the windowsills, the door frames. Well, long story short, she develops into the most beautiful dog. She grew out of her chewing, 
We got the laundry room fixed, and Twister is a wonderful member of our family now. I'm glad to hear Twister got a good home, but that's not Lucy's only story. We'll get back to her for more tales later in the show. Right now, we've got a great story about what having an animal in your life can do to inspire you. The relationships we have with our pets are not one way. We get much more than we give. For one, we get unconditional love and at least a good laugh or two each day. And sometimes those laughs go beyond our own homes and, well, into the homes of others. Up next, we're going to hear about a dog that inspired a weekly political cartoon. I was sitting at a town meeting in the back row, and there was a debate going on. I started to doodle a little cartoon about everything happening, and Lynn, who was the publisher of the paper, saw it. Hey, that's great! Could I take that and use it in the editorial section of the paper this week? Sure, just do me a favor. Don't use my name. Well, who do I credit? Uh, Put Clayton. Clayton is my mother's maiden name. Lynn liked it, and it got a lot of response. People would call and want to know who the man was that was doing the cartoon. So she asked me to do some more. Nobody knew it was me who was doing the cartoon. Months went by, but then I had an idea. I started putting my dog Snuggles in the cartoon. At first, Snuggles appeared here and there. If there was a street scene, someone would be walking Snuggles. But in time, Snuggles began to express the thoughts of the silly things she was seeing. She started to really take a bigger role in the commentary. But still, nobody had figured out I was creating this cartoon in the paper. One day, I went into Foster's Signs, and Tom's mother, who was in her 80s and still goes to work every day, came out of her office and said, Where's the little black dog? What? That little black dog in the cartoon. She was the first person to figure it out. Since that time, I have put Snuggles out front, and she's the bridge. Take a look after the show. I've brought several of Snuggles' favorite cartoons tonight. Thanks, Marcy. I have to tell you, I do look forward each week to seeing what Snuggles is thinking in her cartoon in the Herald and Tribune. I got a call from one of my students. Miss Chambers, I just found a kitten. It doesn't have a nose. It looks really bad. It's here in the Walmart parking lot. Stay there. Right there. I'm on my way. I met them in the parking lot and put him in a little carrier with a little peephole so he would feel safe. You could just see. His nose was missing. His mouth was pretty yellow. Well, I thought, well, maybe it was impacted with food. I headed over to the vet's office. I cried all the way. I just knew that I probably was going to euthanize a kitten that morning. So we get to Jonesboro Animal Hospital. What seems to be going on? Uh, Here, let me show you. Oh, I see. Uh... Well, what's his name? I, I can't give him a name. You give him a name. Just, uh, just call him Stray. So they called him back there. Stray, we'll see you now. They took him back, and then they talked to me. You see, the yellow in his mouth you showed us is uh, actually exposed bone that was deteriorating. His nose issue, well, well, we've seen that in humans, too. He has a cleft palate. It can be serious. 
But he's probably 10 weeks old by now. Well, he's lived this long. Why don't we give him a shot at life? I'm going to send you home with some antibiotics to see if we can clear this up. And I want to see him again real soon. What's his name now? Stray? Is that what you're going to call him? Oh, no. Not anymore. Little kitty, you just got a second chance. Let's call him Lazarus. Within a week and a half, soft pink tissue growing over the exposed bone. He was healing. Months and months of vet visits continued. As the upper canine teeth came in, they were very dark yellow and floppy. The second that came in was dark and deep embedded in his gums. <laughs> he was a very unusual looking cat. Some people say he looked like a vampire bat. I hit Facebook and posted Lazzie's picture, basically asking, my cat has a cleft palate. Is there anyone out there who has seen this and can you help me? What has been your journey? Very quickly, people started responding. People who had animals with cleft palates. People inspired by Lazzie's story. He has been in so many memes on Facebook. Well, he's second to Grump Cat. He's even in some memes with Grumpy Cat. Since that time, he has been in Ripley's Believe It or Not, gotten fan mail from the Czech Republic and Australia. He has come to represent animals of all abilities. He is the most delightful little guy, and he loves his mama more than anyone else in the world. And now he goes into school systems. He came to my school. Teachers use Laz as a way to talk to the students about finding their own unique characteristics and what we can do to contribute and celebrate the unique characteristics of others. He has given hope that there is something we can do with animals that have unique challenges. Thank you for such an inspiring story. Cindy Chambers' cat, Lazarus, is truly an inspiration and an internet sensation. If you go home tonight and Google Lazarus cat, you'll see right away. And they're from right here. Just another thing to be proud of in this region. What a lot of folks don't know is that the history of Jonesboro and her animals goes back to the founding of the town. Up until recently, there were still pig pens on Main Street. We've still got chickens and ducks on East Main Street and just up Boone Street, the Tennessee Walking Horse Farm. You know, that sounds like a perfect lead-in to this month's segment of Ask the Historian. So help me welcome to the stage one of Jonesboro's favorite historians from the Heritage Alliance, Angie Fellers-Mason. Thank you, Lori. Well, since tonight's show is a little special, we've also got a special segment of Ask the Historian, and it starts with a story. Moo. I want to tell you about my best friend, Howard. We live real close to each other on the same land, a little ways off Main Street. We don't share the same room. We share the same sky. And sometimes Howard will sit with me at night and we'll watch the stars, hoping to see a shooting one. Most days are the same. Get up, eat, exercise, eat, nap. <laughs> eat some more. 
than bed. Some days are different, like doctor days. I hate doctor days. So does Howard. But then there's Special Monday. We like Special Monday. Special Monday only comes every so often, and on those days, Howard and I go into town. We make a path down Main Street, and there's so much to see. There's the courthouse, big and tall, and people, lots of people shouting, What do you give me for three hens? Can you knock off 50 cents? Seeds for sale, best assortment in Washington County. And there's so much to look at, chickens and fruit and pigs and horses and baskets and people. So many people. Howard and I take our time through the hustle and bustle. We stop to see old friends, and then we head for Little Limestone Creek and take a long drink. And if there's time, this is my favorite thing, the best thing of all. We may pick up a salt lick or two. Howard rides on my back so we can get around faster, and I don't mind one bit. After all, he's my human, and I'm proud to show him off. This is Howard and his cow riding down Main Street. It's one of our favorite photos from the Jonesboro, Washington County archives, and we know so little about it. The writing on the back of the original reads, it was easier to ride the cow to water than it was to drive. We know that's the Chester Inn porch behind him, but who was Howard? When was this photo taken? Why was this photo taken? Why this moment? Well, maybe it's the first time Howard ever rode the cow, or maybe it's something they did every week and someone finally took a picture. Maybe this photo was taken on first Monday, or special Monday as it was called in the story a day when local farmers would gather around the courthouse to sell, barter, and converse. And that was a big day in town, so maybe it was that day. This photo is in the Chester Inn Museum, and when we talk about it, we ask kids what they think is going on. We ask them about their pets, if they have any, and what their names are. Howard and his cow are conversation starters, a bridge to the past as we search for connections with another time. And that's what keeps history alive and so interesting. If you ever want to visit with Howard and his cow, they're always receiving guests at the Chester Inn Museum. Thank you so much, Anne. This has been another installment of Ask the Historian. There's a couple other people we love to hear from each month, and that's our young writing team who report on the changes they discover each month through the plants and animals they encounter. Please welcome once again Ashling and Sarah for this month's Backyard Garden Report. Thank you, Anne. Considering this month's theme is pets, it is only appropriate that our Backyard Garden Report is filled with our furry, four-legged, and feathery friends. Well, first, our neighbor dropped by to show a tape they got from their surveillance camera, which showed a mysterious cat-like animal trotting across their front porch. After rewinding and rewatching, we decided it was a fox. Not a week later, late one night, our motion light flicked on, and when I looked outside, I saw the same fox trotting across the yard. He stopped for only a moment to itch behind his ear, then was once again on his way. Not only was a fox been spotted, but so has Kinney, the McKinney Center Yellow Groundhog. 
She seems to like certain fields around the center and can be observed peacefully munching on dandelion weeds. And the baby flycatcher was spotted in the front yard, apparently learning how to fly. He would grab onto trunks of trees, flap his wings, and travel a few feet before landing in the grass. The two parents were seen swooping over him and resting in nearby bushes. Now for a lesson on rabbit language. You may have seen a rabbit in a field before running frantically, then jumping up in the air, twisting around, kicking his feet up, and beginning again. This is called binking. And it's their way of saying how joyful they feel. It is simply a celebration of being alive. That's it for this month's Backyard Garden Report. Mostly because we have some binking to do. This is Ashling. And Sarah. Thanks, Thanks for, for tuning, tuning in. in. Thank you, girls. It's always fun to hear what you girls notice. And I always learn a little something. Leon, what are you doing over there? Do you have ants in your pants jumping around like that? No, I was, I was just binking, but I think I pulled something. The first time I became a pet foster family, I felt like binking. I've had people ask me, well, why foster? I've had cats my whole life, except the last 10 years. Everyone around me had dogs, so I, I couldn't have cats. But 10 years goes by, and Fred Warren comes in one day. Do you like cats? Well, yes, I do. Well, we've got these two older cats, and I really need someone to help take care of them. You need to foster them and help me out. Well, I, I don't know what that is. Well, you know how you can foster people and take care of them until their family is ready for them? It's like that. Only you're the foster parent to cats or kittens until they're old enough to be adopted. Well, I said I, I don't know. Maybe I'm allergic to cats now. But that man kept coming in my office every day. Have you put in an application yet? Well, I kept trying to put one in, but something was glitching in their system. So he called Cindy at the Humane Society. Well, she had a cat. The cat's name was Icky. Mom, that's a terrible name for this poor cat. Let's call her Bella. But, but sweetheart, we shouldn't rename the cat if we're only fostering it and not keeping it. Mom, I'm calling her Bella. I failed my first time as a foster parent. By the end of the weekend, we were writing the check to adopt her. My kids had fallen in love with the former Icky, now Bella. Then... I get another call. Hey, uh, listen, I've got another cat that needs help right now. Mom, I know what to call this one. We'll name him Apollo. In a week, we were writing a check for him, too. <laughs> we were foster fails twice. But we needed them, and they needed us. I missed having cats in my life. Mom, how long are we going to keep these three? We're going to keep these three until someone is ready to adopt them. Look how well they get along with Bella and Apollo. They'll make good pets. Yes, they will. They sure will. Well, the children and I now have our family complete. And we're fostering kittens until they're old enough to adopt so somebody else's family can take them in and make their lives complete, too. They'll be housebroken, litter-trained, and not icky. Call the Washington County Humane Society when you're ready for one. Meow. And soon, please, before I get attached again. <laughs> so many of the stories we heard from the Humane Society, as well as from pet owners, were stories of rescue. 
We've put together a few of them in a piece we'd like to call, I Need a Hero. Last week, we took in a litter of kittens. All of them only had three legs. Nobody knows what happened. One vet thinks it could have been an accident during birth with the umbilical cord. Another thinks it could have been abuse. All three of the kittens need surgery, but they need put on a little more weight before that can happen. We are also in need of funds to pay for those surgeries. We'll need $500 to make it happen. This is also part of the work we do. We can't let these animals suffer. We have to take care of them beyond food and shelter. And when you look at their little faces looking up at you, you just have to find a way, no matter what. Skipper came to us one morning, barely nine months old, and standing in our driveway barking. Thick piece of rope around his neck. Hardly any hair on his tummy. He was a real Heinz 57. My parents were out for the day, and my little sister Nancy demanded we keep him. I had misgivings about us having another pet, and when Nancy had gone down the street to a friend's house, I, I let him out. Nancy returned furious with Skipper a few minutes later. Stephen, how could you? He is staying here, and that is final. Don't you dare let him out again. Skipper was determined to stay, and Nancy made sure he did. Then our parents got home. Uh, we should put an ad in the local paper in case someone's looking for him. But if anyone calls, they better be able to prove this little guy belongs to them, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Nobody called. Now we can name him. We called him Skipper because of a motion he did with his back feet when running. Skipper loved our home, but was terrified of any kind of standing water. Over time, we figured that he'd been a summer dog for some family that had dumped him, and that somewhere along the line, somebody must have tried to drown him. He had horrible separation anxiety. He slept with either my sister or me. And when I left for school a year later, he threw up from the upset. Skipper was also an escape artist. One time at the vet's, he climbed a 10-foot chain-link fence by putting his paws in the pegs. He had a taste for other people's garbage, too. <laughs> I could never figure out how he got to their garbage, but we always found it in our backyard. Once at Thanksgiving, he was happily dragging a neighbor's turkey carcass all around our backyard. <laughs> In one of his escapades, he discovered the dumpster at the local burger place. And the garbage men would tell us, he's down at the Burger King again. And we'd go down there and make me late for school, and there's that tail wagging out the top of the dumpster. <laughs> Mom would honk the horn, and Skipper, covered with mayo and God knows what else, ran up and jumped in the car. <laughs> On several outings, he made lots of friends at the school behind our property. And a teacher told us about the time Skipper sat on a table while show and tell was all about telling stories about him. Skipper stayed with us for 17 years and was finally felled by Lyme disease at the end. He was a family member we never planned on and a faithful dog to the end. I want to tell you about Belle of Jonesboro. Steve and Tava Cook and my wife and I were down at the Jonesboro flea market there was always a lady there that was a puppy mill. The pups were in wire cages, nothing on the bottom for the poor little paws. We couldn't understand how this was all right with her. We walked up when she was away, and there was a Chinese crested, probably four pounds of the skinniest thing you ever saw. 
The four of us split up and approached her at different times. I see you have a Chinese crested. Uh, you've never had one of these before. Well, it belonged to a couple that just got married, and the dog didn't like him. They asked me to find a good home for it. Is it for sale? I'll take $1,000 for it. I figure she's going to have a number of litters. Tava went back and told Steve. Poor little thing. She wants to breed her already, and she's in such bad shape. Meanwhile, I went to inquire to see if she might ask a little less. But I got the same story. About 45 minutes later, it was Steve's turn. I see you have a Chinese crested. Yes, I've had a few people ask about her today. How much are you asking for her? A thousand dollars. Oh, that's kind of steep, don't you think? Well, I got to make my money somehow. I figure she's going to have a number of puppies. Steve came back and gathered us all together. Okay, everybody, what have you got? We have to save that puppy. We counted out what we had, and there was 600 cash, plus a company check. I'm just glad she asked for $1,000 for it and not 5000 because, well, I'd be mortgaging my home. So I went up to her and said, here's $600 and a company check. You can cash that in the morning. Oh, I think I'm going to call her Belle. The Belle of Jonesboro. That's her name. We took her home, and she hid under the bed for three weeks. But eventually, she came out and adapted. After that, she had the run of the house, and she barked at me every time I walked in the room. She never grew out of that. She barked at me for ten years. <laughs> she wasn't our first rescue, and not our only rescue. We've probably rescued 30, 35 animals since then, and probably kept half of them. We're also what you'd call foster failures. <laughs> if they're with us more than 24 hours, they get a name, and we get attached. The reason we do all this is to balance some of the injustices that animals have. My father and I were out for a ride one day, and on our way back home, we passed a field. There was a deer running frantically around in the field, chasing buzzards. They had cut the hay the day before and killed her baby. I could not help her. That's nature. But there are some things you can do to balance the progress we make as people and with animals. You can take in dogs and cats and other animals and provide homes for them. I have to do this. It is my spirit to do it, and when I don't, I feel out of balance. Each person has their gifts. Fostering, I think, is one of mine. Today, I have four foster animals. One is feral, the most antisocial. She has the whole upstairs floor of our house. I have a part Jack Russell, and I swear she had thumbs and could talk. She'd be some kind of an engineer. <laughs> I have one who has a back problem. Now, she has a stroller, and when I push her down the street, people run up and say, Oh, can I see your baby? I do spoil her, but she needs it so she can walk. I don't tell other people that they have to do this. It's a personal choice but I do think my example spreads to others. My four-year-old grandbaby, Lainey, was with me one day, and the Sarah McLaughlin ad was on television, and she came running in. 
Grandma, where are those animals? We must go get them now. My animals always bring balance to me. I have a commitment to my dogs that we walk every morning. They do everything I say the rest of the day, but that morning is for them. And we do a minimum of a mile and a half. It balances me. I am not a balancer by nature. With them, I have to slow down, to pay attention, to watch what they are saying to me. They're not always well-behaved, but they listen. They do balance me. I think that we learn from them. I think their unconditional love and forgiveness is an amazing thing. Yeah, and sometimes we need to forgive them, too. You'll know exactly what I mean after this story. You'll especially know what I mean if you've ever had a Labrador. Labradors are the best dogs, in my opinion. But they do get into, uh, well, um, mischief. Mischief? Sometimes I think it's more than that. Like the time my mom was meriting six ribeye steaks on the counter while she, my dad, my aunts and uncles went outside on the deck to get the grill fired up. They came back in, and mom thought she'd put the steaks in the fridge because they were no longer on the counter. Well, they were no longer on the counter anywhere. Marley had eaten all of them, all six. That's nothing. At least she ate food. <laughs> my lab, when she was a puppy, ate the pincushion from my wife's sewing kit. The free puppy I got from my friend at work, yeah, that free puppy ended up costing me $1,500 in surgery bills. I had a lab that pulled the tablecloth with the entire Thanksgiving dinner with it. I think there's a running theme here of food disasters with Labradors. But they're so darn lovable, you can't be mad at them. At least not for long. Well, I think Charlie is everyone beat. He can't seem to stop getting into trouble. This is the beautiful... Wonderful and Mischievous Adventures of Charlie Dunes, the lovable lab that is part of Lucy and Joe Grandy's family. One of the things Charlie ever did as a puppy was to bust open a full bottle of Patron in Joe's office at home. There's not enough Febreze in the world to get rid of that. Speaking from experience, are we, Phyllis? (laughs) They tried shutting Charlie in certain rooms to keep him from spreading havoc all over the house. But Charlie learned to open doors, all kinds of doors. Once he got out of the room he was in, he also taught himself to open the door to the big popcorn machine the Grandies have. Charlie loves popcorn. Again, it's food disasters with labs. Charlie moved from food disasters to bigger things. He learned how to open doors in the house and then learned how to open the door out of the house. Yep, let himself right outside, then back in, into Joe's car, which he somehow ended up putting into gear. Jonesboro's got a lot of hills, you know. And that car did not stay still for long. It rolled. Could it have rolled into, say, a soft pile of leaves? No. (laughs) Could it have rolled into an old junker? No. It rolled into a jaguar. Not the endangered animal, the very expensive automobile. You're right. I think Charlie wins for mischief. Oh, I'm not done. They like to go on trips to the beach, and Charlie plays in the water. 
He ended up playing tag with a sand shark and got bit. I bet that taught him to leave Siva life alone. Not at all. On their next trip to New Orleans, Charlie played in the bayou and found a nest of baby alligators. Yikes. Yep. Got himself all tore up and have to go to the vet again. He's just full of mischief. But you know what? If he wasn't, we wouldn't have all the adventures in our lives. He gets into trouble, but we've got unconditional love between us. And with all his craziness, I think he does bring a sort of balance to our lives. He brings the crazy side, and we love him dearly. And now we're starting to love him, too, just hearing about him. Although it's almost hard to believe Charlie could get into so much trouble. But, you know, with all the documented bills associated with his adventures, we do believe you. And I've got a story about the length we will go to for our pets. Shortly after we married, Pam and I bought a house in a subdivision outside Jonesboro and settled in with our two boys. My twin brother and his family had been living in Tucson and announced they would be moving back to the area. They were living in a motel. They asked us to keep their cat, Lucky, while they found a house. Of course, we were delighted to help them out. We both loved cats. What could go wrong? My sister-in-law delivered Lucky. He was a beautiful gray tiger-striped cat. We became friends immediately. When I held him, he purred loudly. With Lucky settled in with us, my brother and his wife left to pack up for their trip back to Arizona to check out the house they were selling. We fed the cat, let him outside to do his business. He didn't come back. We called for him. We walked through the neighborhood. We figured he would come back shortly, but he didn't. I just knew we should have gotten a litter box. Yeah. You're the one that opened the door. Only after you told me he would come back. This is terrible. What are we going to do? Uh, maybe it will come back before they get home. Well, a week went by, and my brother and sister-in-law returned, but the cat didn't. Fortunately, they left their boys at their grandmother's house before they came to our house for Lucky. We then tried to gently inform them that... Hey, guys, Pam lost your cat. Leon! <laughs> my sister-in-law didn't take the news very hard and told Pam she'd be back the next day to help search for the cat. The next day, Peggy came to our house, and we started walking through the neighborhood. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. Here, Lucky. Come here, Lucky. Peggy, look. In that picture, Wenda's sitting on the back of the couch. A gray, tiger-striped cat. It has to be him. Look. He looks like him, and he's watching us, like he might know us. He's such a sweet cat. He probably made friends with these people who thought he was a stray. Let's go knock on the door. Oh, no. It looks like no one's home. Well, the important one is home. Pam, what are you doing? I'm just twisting the doorknob to see if it's open. No one locks their doors around here. Maybe they need to start. The door opened. Hello? Is anyone home? We're your neighbors from two blocks over. Hello? No answer. Maybe we better... Exactly. Just slip in and grab the... Yep. In that moment, my wife became a cat burglar. <laughs> Even Lucy and Ethel never got in that predicament. Pam, you just took their cat. No, I rescued your cat. Now run. What? Run. I mean it. Let's get out of here now. So in the darkness of night, 
Pam, Peggy, and Lucky took off for the car that was parked on the next street. They didn't leave a note. They didn't wipe away fingerprints. They didn't pass go and collect $200. Peggy took the cat to her mother's house where they were staying. I was just relieved the children never had to find out that Lucky was even missing. Pam and I were eating supper a few days later, and Peggy called. Hello? Hi, Pam. This is Peggy. You know, I think we might have traumatized Lucky the other night because he sure is acting strange. He doesn't want to have anything to do with the kids. Maybe he's still got jet lag. Just then, we heard something outside the door. It was a gray tiger-striped cat. Looked just like Lucky. Peggy, I think I know why. Lucky just showed up at our door. So the cat you have is definitely not Lucky. You could call your cat Unlucky. You better bring him here so we can switch him out and take him back. Leon, grab Lucky and don't let him go. Peggy slipped away and brought Unlucky with her. We put Lucky in the kennel. Then Lucy and Ethel, I mean Peggy and Pam, drove Unlucky to the house that they had stolen him from earlier in the week. Slow down, Peggy. Stop here. But we aren't to the house yet. Of course not. We can't return to the scene of the crime. Just stop here, and then we'll casually walk him until we get closer. Well, and then what? I don't know. I'll figure it out when we get there. (laughs) They stopped the car about three houses away, but Pam didn't have to come up with any more plans. That cat made a beeline to the house where it had been burglared from. (laughs) Peggy, maybe we should leave them a note. I got a better idea. Let's just keep our mouths shut and get out of here. The statute of limitations has probably run out on the catnapping incident. And since all the cats were returned to their rightful owners, we can at least say they all lived happily ever after. And that was a true story, and that was Pam that did that. (laughs) I think all the animals in our lives know more things than we give them credit for. More things than maybe even we know. Maggie was the fifth in a line of lovable Labradors that we had through the years. Maggie was my mom and dad's empty nest puppy. All the other dogs were from when my siblings and I were growing up, but Maggie was different. She was theirs. Just theirs, their only child at home. She was a dog they adopted to retire with. Maggie was only about a year old when Dad was diagnosed with cancer and realized their retirement years together were going to be shorter than they planned. Maggie became Dad's loyal protector. Now, she could be wild and rambunctious in her puppyhood around the other people, but she was pretty calm around Dad and always made her rounds to check on him. On the day that Dad died, and, and he died at home, on the day he died... Maggie never left his side, not once. And now Maggie's never left mom's side. And it could have been pretty easy for mom to slip into a kind of isolation after dad's death, a widow with her children grown, with families of their own. But Maggie didn't let that happen. She became mom's conduit, her connection to community. See, Maggie loves her walks, and she also loves to play with some of the other dogs that seem to appear up at the playground at the same time every day. Well, when the clock strikes four, 
Maggie, she heads straight to my mom, stares her down until she grabs the leash for her walk. And then as Maggie goes to the other dogs to play, like labs do, mom had a chance to talk to their owners, and they became friends. There's now a group of people who meet up at that little park at the playground at 4 o'clock every day, the dog walking group. And there are all kinds in the group, some young, some older, some pure blood, some scruffy, and those are just the people. All the differences aside, the thing they have in common is a love for their animals and the neighborhood they all live in. Mom wasn't able to be a part of a dog walking group like this before because our other dogs, they were great, wonderful dogs with the family, but they didn't much care for other dogs. Maggie is the social butterfly. She gets along with most every other dog and most people that she sees. And she became the connection mom had with her neighbors and community. I don't know if it's because Maggie was just born that way or because she sensed that mom needed it and she became that dog. Our animals know what we need without us saying a word. I wish more of us knew what our animals needed because they don't have the words to ask us. I do know this. Above all else, they want love and companionship, just like anybody else. Thanks, Jules. And thanks, Maggie. And thanks, Lazarus, Charlie, Snuggles, Bella, Apollo, and all the animals that enrich our lives, bringing balance and comfort and a world of adventure with them. We'd like to thank the Washington County Humane Society for all the good work that they do every day and for sharing their stories with us tonight. If you feel inspired to help them, please give them a call. You can also check them out on the Facebook page at the Washington County Humane Society. Talk to them about fostering or volunteering or donating much-needed items like food, kitty litter, and unopened, unused medicines. They will all go to good use. We'd like to thank the Tennessee Arts Commission for their generous support of our program. We'd also like to thank those wild women of Jonesboro, Nancy Hope and Odie Major, and Main Street Cafe and Catering. And we'd like to especially thank you, our listening audience. Be sure to tune in on the last Wednesday of the month at 8 p.m. on 89.5 FM WETS to hear our program or listen online to WETS.org on HD Channel 1. Good night, everyone.
Remember, we perform the fourth Monday of every month at the International Storytelling Center in Jonesboro, Tennessee. If you like tickets to the show, just call 423-753-1010 to reserve a seat. And you can check us out on Facebook, too, at Jonesboro Yarn Exchange. Write to us and let us know if you've got a story to share. Who knows? It just might end up on our show. Mm -hmm. 